Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I don't know if you saw, but Cliff let Tyler ball a couple of plays. With Sean, I know, hands out, like, delegates authority. Would you ever, like, want to put the headset in and call him the defense? No, I don't want to call him the defense. I was more giving a stunts to the D-line on him. Two minutes, I was out there, you know, giving my calls to him, but they was too tired. They wasn't paying attention to me, so. But, <laughs> I'm like, they ain't, they ain't looking right here. I'm like, they ain't looking right <laughs> Aaron Donald's getting paid a lot of money, but he's not getting paid enough to call plays defensively. He doesn't want the green dot on his helmet. He doesn't want to do any of that. He just wants to go out there and terrorize quarterbacks, as he's been doing for the past nearly full decade, and will do at least through 2024, maybe 2023 with the Rams. That's a sneaky little – keep an eye on that. I I think he may only have two more years. They think they got three. I still think he may only have two, Chris. But But regardless – they know, Les Snead recently said, they'll never, they're never going to replace him. They're never going to replace him. No one's going to replace him. This guy's one of a kind. There may be another dominant defensive player who comes along, but it's no, he's in that never Deion Sanders Hall of Donald. Fame that we talk you're about. Not, that's right. right. That's right. Already give him the jacket made of gold. Right. Put him in the separate room now. Yep. He belongs there and will be there. All right. Matthew Stafford trying to earn a spot in either level of the Hall of Fame, probably getting close to the lower level. The upper level is still going to take some more work. The issue with the elbow, good news for the Rams. Like right when it seemed like it was disintegrating and he was going to potentially be out for an extended stretch and he can't practice. Now he's practicing with the team and he's looking good. But don't take it from us. Here's Sean McVay talking about it yesterday. I thought he had great energy, great command all day. Uh, I thought he threw the ball incredibly accurately and, and all parts of the field really activated all parts of our pass game. And then, you know, there was a couple where he's hitting the spots we want and then we just got to be able to finish some of those plays. But I'm encouraged because we can coach off of those and we're getting those opportunities to feel what it's like for him to be able to throw with Allen. Um, you know, Ben Skoranek made a handful of plays, also 2-2. And so, you know, he's got a comfort level with Higby and with Cooper. But some of these newer guys, today was a great step in the right direction to be able to start establishing that rapport that will be critical for this year. And, you know, Cooper Cup had a Veterans Day off. And we talked yesterday about how defenses are probably going to try to take away Cup whenever and wherever they can this year. So it's kind of good to have a day where you're building rapport with all the guys not named Cooper Cup in the event that Cooper Cup is going to be blanketed come 
Thursday night, three weeks from now, 22 days away from the Bills taking on the Los Angeles Rams. So uh, a much better vibe around the Rams and quarterback Matthew Stafford now, Chris. It sounds like they've gotten this elbow thing worked out. They've gotten it under control. They figured out whatever they needed to figure out, this baseball injury. They got whatever help they needed. And it looks like Stafford, for now, is good to go. Yeah, it is. It's it's hopeful. It sounds like – I feel like it sounds like it's in the past. They they were – they were confident with people I talked to out there that you know they had gotten on the right track and found some people, I think, in the baseball world to kind of fix this elbow issue. And when I was kind of told those type of things, there it was five, six days later, he was out there throwing, and here we are, you know, what is it, two, two weeks, a little bit more than that, and it seems like it's back to status quo and there's nothing to worry about. So hopefully they can stay on top of this Um Hey, we want to see the Rams at their best. And to your point where we just talked about Rodgers, and you just heard McVay talk about it there, he didn't get to work with you know, Allen Robinson in the offseason because he didn't throw. He couldn't do any of that. They were trying to rest this elbow. So they're, they, I'm sure, are trying to play a little bit of catch-up here with trying to, to gain that you know, rapport and, and rhythm and timing with guys. We, we know that is important. Um, but I'm glad it's in the past, and you know it just makes me more excited for week one because I want to see Allen and Stafford going at it. All right, so let's take a look at this. What's more likely for the Rams' offense? They roll with the receivers they have, or they trade for a veteran at some point during the season? What's more likely? Ooh, I, I mean, I think that there's going to be some sort of move made at some point. So I don't know if they're going to have to trade because I think OBJ – is still there for them to be had. I would say they're still the team that he would like to go play for, and I think nobody in OBJ's history has shown him more love than the Los Angeles Rams. So I do think they got the inside track for that. Now, you know, the trade itself, that's a different thing. I don't don't necessarily just go, oh, they're definitely going to trade. I think, hey, Skornick has got some physical ability. He's big. He's a pretty good route runner. Well, I remember watching him at Notre Dame. He's impressive that way. And then they got this 2-2 Atwell coming up the ranks here as well, who's explosive as hell and one of those jitterbug, speed sweep, reverse type of guys. And then Van Jefferson being back. So I don't know if I see a trade happening. Uh, so I guess what, what would I an- answer there? I guess I'm selling the trade, but I do think that OBJ could be added, but that's not going to have to happen through a trade. Tutu Atwell is 5'9 and 165 pounds. Isn't that crazy? He's 5'7 and 150, right? (laughs) Well, I I don't know about that. The NFL doesn't embellish too much. You know, it's not the NBA where they measure you with like sneakers on and and don't. In the NFL, when when they measure you, at the combine, they literally push your head down and try to shrink you. I mean, I remember being like doing this, and I remember a guy like pushing my head down, being like, "That kind of hurts. Like, can you get off me? It makes my neck feel weird." So they don't let you cheat some of that stuff as much as I think the public thinks. It's colleges that really BS that. Yeah. The colleges, oh my gosh, I'd look at a, the game day roster the first time we're in the locker room, and it, this guy's six three two forty, and I'd be like. How about six one and a half two oh five? What the hell are they talking about? So that's where it gets embellished at times. And I agree with you. Between the guys they have and the possibility of bringing back OBJ, they don't need to trade for anyone. And last year they didn't trade for OBJ. He finagled his way out of Cleveland, and they signed him as a free agent. But you, you know how it goes. There'll be a team out there that ends up not being as good as they thought they were going to be, and you got a receiver getting close to the end of his contract. Yeah, that's right. To, 
to get value at the trade deadline. Yeah. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but the Rams aren't bashful about F them buying. picks. F them picks, right. baby, and they'll do it if they think it's going to make the team better. What's more likely for the Rams offense? Cooper Cup leads the NFL in receiving yards again, or he finishes outside the top five. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go he finishes outside the top five. Uh, yes. I, I, and it, it's just hard to replicate what, you know, leading the NFL and receiving once again. And damn, the LSU boys are coming. Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase are just too freaky and talented, and I just think their roles are going to expand in their offense. So, you know, again, I don't really expect him to finish outside the top five, but as we've talked about, Super Bowl team, everybody studies them. Of course, the teams that are playing them study them extra hard, and they're going to try to take away some of these tricks that get Cooper Cup open so often. So, you know, I still think he'll have a great year, but if you're going to give me one of those, I go, he finishes outside the top five. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think for the reasons we discussed yesterday and earlier today, the idea that they're going to blanket Cooper Cup and affirmatively try to take him away. And you've got Justin Jefferson, who will be the Cooper Cup of the Vikings offense. Yep. You've got Jamar Chase coming along. You've got guys who want to prove that they're the best. And and their offense, I, I mean, Jefferson had over 1,600 receiving yards with a dysfunctional coaching staff. And a revolving door offensive coordinator. And it was another new offense and another new. This is Kevin O'Connell taking the Rams approach to Minnesota. I I think if Justin Jefferson stays healthy, it's going to be him. And that's the other side of it, too. You know, I mean, Cooper Cup managed to stay healthy all of last year. You you never know when a guy's going to get injured. It's 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 a high bar to lead the league in receiving yards. So between the two options, it is more likely in my mind that he ends up out of the top five instead of leading the league for the second straight year. Yeah. And Allen Robinson being there, I would think is going to take some of his targets away as well. I mean, Allen Robinson's really talented. I mean, he's a, he's a bona fide number one wide receiver in the NFL. He just been on some crap teams and crap offenses. So people don't know. So I, I can imagine, you know, a little Rams on Rams crime there with, as far as taking that away or taking some catches away from Cooper cup. But yeah, I, I think you, you hit it spot on. There's some young, talented guys and some different offensive situations that I think are going to challenge that, that top receiving spot. Next one, shifting to the running backs. Cam Akers returns to his pre-injury workhorse role. Remember, he tore an Achilles tendon prior to training camp last year, came back very late in the season, but he's still working his way back to what he was as a rookie in 2020. Or Daryl Henderson leads the team in rushing this season. What's more likely? I, I'm going to go with Cam Akers returns to you know the workout, workhorse role. He's... He's clearly the best running back they got on their roster. I like Darrell Henderson, but he's a nice guy to come off the bench, spell him, you know, a little smaller, you know, maybe a, a hair quicker in some ways. But Akers, man, he runs through tackles. He can break tackles. He can. He's a home run hitter. I just, I think he'll be the guy for them, you know, more times than not. Uh, I agree with you completely, and they're going to need it, I think, this year if there is that conscious effort to slow down Cup and the rest of the passing game. Last one. What's more likely, the Rams are top five in points per game this season or they fall outside of the top ten? Now, for context, yeah, they were top two in points per game in Sean McVay's first two years in L.A. Since then, 11th in 2019, 22nd in 2020, and 7th last year. Are they top five or outside of the top ten? What's more likely? 
I, I'm going to say if, if I got to choose between those two, I'm going to say top five. I don't think they're going to fall outside the top ten. I don't. You know, just between McVay, the system he's got, you know, his imagination to create some big plays, Stafford being in year two. You know, we've talked about some of the receivers. It's still pretty talented. Uh, I have a hard time thinking they can fall outside the top ten. So I'll go with the top five in points points per game. Yeah, I agree with you. This is one of those what's more likely that has a, a gap that we'd kind of be tempted to pick. Yeah, right. If, I, if right. I could choose one through five, five through ten, or outside of the top ten, I'd go five through ten. But between the two, I agree. More likely top five than out of the top ten because of McVeigh, because of Stafford, because of what we know they can do, even though they are in a difficult decision uh, or division or decision. Speaking of decision, I'm getting ahead of myself. A decision is still pending in the Deshaun Watson appeal. There is one specific thing that is keeping the appeal from being resolved two weeks after it was filed. We'll discuss that when this Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live continues right after this. Noticed some reporting yesterday that settlement talks are happening in the Deshaun Watson case. Oh, hey, settlement talks are happening in the Deshaun Watson case. Look, thank, I'm, I'm, you're not inaccurate, but come on, people. We've been talking about it for almost a week now. It goes back to last Friday when we thought before 7 o'clock Eastern when the Browns were due to take on the Jaguars in Jacksonville to start the preseason. We thought that Peter Harvey, who's handling the appeal, would drop the gavel, drop the mic, and kick Deshaun Watson out of the NFL for a full year. That afternoon, I started to hear that settlement was a possibility, that Peter Harvey is holding his ruling until the two sides have had a chance to settle. Monday, we talked about it at length. Settlement is viable. Peter Harvey isn't going to rule until he knows that the two sides are going to not be able to reach a deal. And we talked about different ideas for what could happen. And here we are on Wednesday. It's clear at this point, two weeks removed from the filing of the appeal, that by rule must be expedited. Both sides don't have a problem with it. Nobody's saying, ah, thou shalt expedite the ruling. They're trying to work out a settlement. And Peter Harvey, who is essentially controlled by the NFL here, he knows, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to issue the ruling until I know that the settlement possibility has hit the brick wall, and it's not going to happen. Now, I don't know how difficult it is to get to the end of this. You're talking about 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games. That's your range, in my mind, of the total acceptable potential games that Deshaun Watson would take without Peter Harvey issuing a ruling. And then it comes down to how much money. He reportedly is willing to pay $5 million. How much more than five will the NFL want? Do they want the full $10 million that he made last year when he didn't play? So, Chris, I think it's eight to 12 games, five to $10 million, And at some point, they just have to reach a decision. And here's the problem. Because they control Peter Harvey, there isn't a real deadline. Now, there is. I mean, week one. But they can kind of take their time for now and stare at each other and wait for someone to blink because Peter Harvey isn't going to rule until he hears from someone at the league, okay, it's over, it's done, go ahead and issue your ruling. Well, uh, let me ask you this. Do you do you think there's any – I mean, obviously then with Peter Harvey, I just feel like he obviously doesn't want – he doesn't want to suspend Deshaun Watson for the full year or a full calendar year or the 17-game seasons. Do you think there's anything into that? I mean, I think if he looked at this and was just like, whoa, this is egregious, this is crazy – 
a full year suspensions totally warranted or a full year. I, I think we've already got to that. So I, I, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, to your point, I heard you kind of say you think eight, 10, 12 games, but do you think there's something to that there? This is Peter Harvey in the NFL being in lockstep, even though they aren't, they are. And together, the league and Harvey understand that if they suspend him for a full year, they're going to get a federal court challenge. You're going to have some of these other owners who haven't been held to a higher standard than players dragged into this thing. My understanding is there are other factors the league is concerned about. I don't know what they are yet, but the league is trying to avoid a federal court challenge to the Deshaun Watson case. And part of it, too, is, as Paul Tagliabue proudly said when he was the commissioner, all's well that ends. There is something to be said for bringing this to a conclusion and not having AP story after AP story and a topic on TV shows and first block of radio programs talking about the latest development in the Deshaun Watson litigation. And there's a hearing coming up and will they get a preliminary injunction? Will he force his way back onto the field for week seven? And what other names are going to be dragged into this? What other arguments are going to be made? There's a point where you just want it to end, but if it's going to end, Chris, it's got to be with enough of a punishment that the league is insulated from the criticism. Eight games, you're not going to avoid the criticism. It's got to at least be 10. It can't be less than 10. And they better do a damn good job of explaining to everyone that the fine simulates last year being an unpaid suspension. So it's 10, if that's the number this year, plus whatever the fine translates to from last year. And if he's fined 10 million, hey, you missed 17 last year and you didn't get paid for them, and you're missing 10 this year. That's 27 games. If they sell it that way, they may have a better chance of getting people to accept it. Yeah, I, I understand. I don't know if people are going to really accept it. I don't know. And I, I feel like 10 is still going to get tremendous backlash. They're kind of in a no-win situation there. And, again, I think more people are on that side of the fence than, whoa, it should be less than 10. You know, so that that's where I I think they're they're going to get it no matter what. Uh, but you're right. I think that if they could package it like that, maybe it softens the blow to a degree. And man, if I'm Deshaun Watson, five ten million dollars. I mean, I I would go. I don't, I don't care either way. Who cares if it's five or ten? I know that's a big. I'll I'll take five million dollars right now. Ten million dollars right now. Certainly, that's huge. But in the big picture of things, if you got to pay ten million dollars, okay, you got two hundred twenty million more coming. So don't worry. I think that's something that I would take in a second if I'm Deshaun Watson. Eight games, ten games, ten million, boom, sign me up, I'm out of here. I'll, I'll see you in week 11. I, I, would, I would run to sign that agreement if I'm Deshaun Watson at this point. This really is surprising, though, when you think about it. We saw the comments last Tuesday from Roger Goodell invoking the quotes from Judge Sue L. Robinson's decision that the behavior was egregious and predatory. They're scared, and that Mike. Made, that made both of us think, man, they're going to drop the hammer on Deshaun Watson. Uh -huh. Forget about 12. They're going to suspend him for the whole season. They're going to do this and they're going to do that. Something has them scared. Yeah. And, and I don't use that term lightly. We both have used the same term organically. The NFL is scared about something that will happen if they don't suspend or if they do suspend Deshaun Watson for the full season. Otherwise, they would have done it by now. Yeah.
Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Because here's the other side of it, too. It's Wednesday, okay? Think of how the NFL typically does business. The NFL is the bull in the China shop, and it doesn't care how much China it breaks. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do what it's going to do. And to think that the NFL has slammed the brakes on this thing for five days now when clearly the ruling was ready to go on Friday. I mean, it had to be. It had to be. Expedited ruling. Expedited process. Expedited no. Not five days later. Not two weeks later. Between Friday to Wednesday, something has caused them to say, well, let's take a more calm and reasoned view. Let's see if we can work out a resolution that is mutually acceptable to everyone involved. And they haven't yet. They haven't. And, and, and they apparently haven't yet said, hey, you either take our offer by noon Eastern today or we're issuing the ruling at 12.01. They haven't gotten to that point. So I think our instincts are right here. Although we thought our instincts were right a week ago, and maybe maybe both things are true. They were ready to go, but something happened that has caused them to be scared. And I think they're scared right now of doing it. They're scared of what's going to happen next. I, I, I mean, it seems like it. I, I'm shocked that it's gone this far. I'm shocked that, you know, Peter Harvey, we're even at this. Oh, he wants them back at the table. I, I, I mean, I really thought, you know, between the comments and just kind of reading the room a little bit, that yeah, they were about to lay the hammer down a little. I, I am so I'm 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 very surprised. We're still sitting here a week and a half later, still talking about this. And obviously, there's something, and I don't know what that is. All we can do is speculate. But yeah, as we've speculated all off season, I think it's got to do something with the owners and some of the issues they have and a double standard. And that's got the NFL backpedaling a little here as we uh, try to figure this whole situation out. I also wonder whether or not. They're paying very careful attention to the reality of the backlash to Deshaun Watson playing on Friday night. And, yes, there was the profane chant from the folks in Jacksonville, and that went viral on social media. But remember, there is a real disconnect between social media and real life. Definitely. And at a certain point, you you just got to forget about the little messages that pop up on your phone and focus on what's really happening. What's really happening here? He played on Friday night, and the earth continued to spin on its axis. Right. There was not this widespread outcry and indignation from the media at large about the fact that Deshaun Watson was allowed on a football field. So I think that before they get themselves into the potential jackpot of a federal lawsuit that will target owners who have not been adequately punished or punished at all, or investigated properly for their wrongdoing. I still think that whole, I still think that whole Cowboys voyeurism thing is more problematic than the Robert Kraft stuff because it's an example of alleged misconduct against women, and in this case, it has been unexplored, uninvestigated. It's incomplete, and the NFL wants to keep it that way. I don't know how you can justify not getting to the bottom of what happened in 2015 when it wasn't reported to the league by the Cowboys. And the league ignored it when the reports came out earlier this year. I just think that's one of the things that has the NFL uh, concern. Mm-hmm. But but it's just it's you know it's the balance of hey maybe it won't be so bad if we agree to ten or twelve games. Yeah, Twitter will lose its mind, but may and there'll be you know statements from different and Tony Busby will do another. But we'll get past that. We're the NFL. Bright shiny objects are coming. That's they're right. already here. Yeah, they're already here. Right. I mean hell, if if Seahawks and Steelers can draw a bigger audience than Yankees Red Sox. Seahawks-Steelers on NFL Network drew more people than Yankees-Red Sox on Fox. 
bright, shiny objects are rolling off the assembly line. We'll get through this. And maybe that's maybe that's part of it, too. You, you stretch finality as close to the start of the season as possible. So, yeah, people are going to huff and puff, but here comes Rams-Bills in 22 days. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I don't think the backlash is as bad as I expected it to be. Uh, I'll say that. You know, I, I know social media was a little, you know, cute and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, there was some people hollering there. But I think as a whole, I, I did not think it was as bad as I was expecting. I didn't. I mean, even, you know, just watching news channels, local news, whatever, you know, that, you know NBC New York. It just I thought we were going to see all of this and like how dare the NFL and all that, all, you know, any of the, the sporting networks. And I just don't think it was that big. And maybe the NFL has, has realized what you're talking about. And I do think that, you know, there's a little bit of the public that and even the media that just they're tired of the subject. They're beaten down by it. They've made their comments. They've done it. And it's just like, how many more times can you do it? And maybe they are. Maybe they're just going to weather the storm and, like you said, let the bright, shiny objects keep rolling in and we'll kind of just let time go and, and slowly forget about it. And, you know, the, the other side of it, too, and I'll defer to the post that we have at PFT from yesterday afternoon. There was a very significant piece of news that came out Friday that was completely forgotten how the race norming is now ironed out of the concussion settlement and black players who previously had been denied are getting significant benefits because of the standard that was used to presume a lower baseline based upon race. So it made it harder for black players to prove impairment because they were starting at a lower point than the white players. So when you do the comparison, it's more difficult to establish that you've had cognitive impairment as a result of playing football. That, That completely... Flew under the radar screen. Yeah. And and I I missed it initially. And every time it bubbled up, there's something else going on. And, yeah. and the only reason I really focused on it yesterday, Scott Pioli. That's right. Good for Scott. NFL GM who, yeah. who currently takes a paycheck signed by Roger Goodell as an analyst with NFL Network, came out and called it despicable yeah. and hateful. Yeah. And it is. How convenient and, the black guys have a different baseline when – 80% of the league is black, and you might have to spend, you know, a little bit more money. It's very convenient. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bull crap. Good for Scott Pioli calling it out. And let me tell you, there's been a, well, I mean, that's just the way they do these things, vibe to the whole process, because the the lawyers who represent the players didn't notice it. The court didn't notice it. I guarantee you somebody at the Of course they did. Avenue of course. Knew. When you're going to agree to an unlimited fund, right? Unlimited fund. You're looking for any wrinkle that's going to hold it down. Uh-huh. Somebody there knew. Aha! Uh-huh, you know what? We got a little benefit here. They're using this race norming thing that has been used, presumably to the advantage of, of you know, based on socioeconomic socioeconomic differences. I mean, you can explain it all you want. It's beyond my my realm of understanding. But it was a, developed as a good thing. In this situation, it's a weapon to hold down what the ultimate payments would be. And I'm sure somebody knew they were going to save a lot of money and no one was going to notice. Good for the players and their lawyers who pushed this thing and pushed it hard and got the settlement reopened, got this fixed, and that came to a head on Friday. And that was completely, completely pushed to the background. And And it shouldn't be, and here's why. Here's why. There are plenty of other players out there who can have 
their tests rescored or be retested. They have the yeah. right to do it. They need to know about it. Right. They've been denied and they have a chance. They have another bite at the apple, a legitimate bite at the apple with a different standard, the right standard, the fair standard, the proper standard. They need to get back there and do it. All right, that wasn't on the – That wasn't. Yeah, that was Pete, good, though. That was Pete, good. Pete's going to regret telling us that we have a lot of extra time. That was, we will that was... it. We're like Congress. You give us more money in the budget, we're going to spend it all. We're going to spend whatever you give us, baby. Well, it's it's good. I'm glad you brought that up. It needs to be said. You know, it's it's a it's a public issue. It's it needs you know it's unfair. It's not right, and especially in a league again where there's a lot of diversity and the majority of the league is African American, and we're screwing them over. And that's just that I'm not down with that. So if this if this continues to be a story or whatever else, yeah, I mean, good for you for getting the word out there, Mike. The good news is it was caught. And it was rectified, but the story isn't over until the word really is communicated to anyone out there. And, and, and I call on the NFL to join in the effort to make sure that people know they need to be rescored and retested. Why not affirmatively reach out to everyone who's already been denied benefits under the discriminatory standard and tell them, get back in here and do another test? Why not do that? That would truly be the right thing to do. Well, hopefully the NFLPA so. is doing that. Hopefully they're starting to reach out. The NFLPA is pretty good at staying in contact with ex-players, at least in my opinion. I'm sure there's other ones that are out there, but, I mean, damn, I get you know emails from them still and all of that to where hopefully they are able to reach some of these guys and, and the ones that don't know to where they can get the situation fixed. And part of the problem is for those who have actual cognitive issues and may not have family members, it becomes almost impossible to get their attention, to get them to come do what needs to be done to get the benefits that they deserve. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. we got plenty more PFT Live to come, and we'll be back. Easy for him but to but say. But 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 right after this. Right after this. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There is a more subtle or subtle, depending upon your pronunciation of the term <laughs> it's a lesson for new head coaches the subtlety or subtlety simsisms subtle drew got more opportunities i think he's subtle 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 excuse me subtle subtle subtly subtly <laughs> b is silent nor could he move around in the pocket and kind of make those you know real subtle timeout uh, haven't we been over this before? Subtle? Did I say not, subtle? You said, you said subtle. Yeah. You said subtle. I thought I did. Um, yeah, nothing subtle about no. uh, your command of the English language, that's for sure. Simsisms. One thing I love about these trips down memory lane, every once in a while, we get a glimpse of the day that I had liver failure. Did you notice oh, that? Oh, your jaundice was back. That's right. I yes. know. It was great. That was great. And I look at some of those clips and I go, damn, I don't know. I like my old haircut better. I think I need to just tell my mom and my sister and my wife to shut up and go back to the haircut I liked. 
<laughs> so, some days, some days you got extra mom spit in it than others. Like you had that, you kind of had a wave going the day after you watched Superman. I don't know. Maybe you saw a hairstyle last I night. I just didn't put it on your thighs. You yeah. go a little, <laughs> I go a little heavier there. I don't, I don't know. know. It was like I put some pomade in it, you know, in the morning when I try to make it slick like this. Those, those days last week, I didn't do anything, but I'm still getting used to this haircut. I don't know about it. Well, I definitely need a haircut. I had to go an extra week this time. Four weeks is too much for me. Three weeks is is better. I'm tempted to go every two weeks. Although, just a quick glimpse into how cheap I am. I don't want to pay for a haircut every two weeks. I feel like that's wasteful. I feel like that that's a luxury that I have yet to fully earn. That even though we're on TV every day or something like TV, I, I feel like I should not splurge on a haircut every two weeks. Yeah. Am I, I wrong? Yeah, no, no, I, uh, yeah, I think you are wrong. I think you are. I mean, you're... You're kind of rich. You have Chateau de Florio. I'm sure the haircut is not that my far. Hair. All right. I'm sure the haircut is not that far from the house. And you're on TV every day. Yeah. You, I think two, two, every other week's good. You could do that. You can pull that off. All right. Uh, I just know that it's a lot easier to get ready for the show when my hair is shorter. And I'm grateful that it's still there at 57. But it can get to be a pain in the ass when we get up onto that fourth week, which we are at right now. I will get a cut. Spoiler alert on Saturday, if I remember to wake up. George Pickens has woken up the rankings here of the Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's gone from plus 4,500 a month ago to plus 2,500 a week ago to now plus 750. I'm not making that bet. I'm not. I want somebody that I know is going to get the football, that I know is going to have opportunities. I don't know how many opportunities he's going to have with Najee Harris yeah, and I Chase Claypool right. and Deontay Johnson. And who's going to play quarterback? I, I think the guy's got the potential to be great, but I don't think that he's offensive rookie of the year material. This is just people discovering the guy and making a bet at a time when the odds were low, and now they've driven the odds to the point where no one, no one should should take plus 750 odds for George Pickens. No I, I, way. Yeah. Where's Damian Pierce? I'd put he's not he's not on that screen so he's lower than plus 1300 I'd go Damian Pierce before any of those guys on the screen I I, I hear you, you got to go with the guys you think are gonna get the touches like you said so that that's gonna be important and you know there's some other guys too that are rookies who haven't got to show themselves yet where like the Christian Watsons of the world with Green Bay where I think you know if he's got a hold of the offense and we know they have some receiver questions there. He could be a guy that kind of jumps on the scene as well. So, yeah, I, I, but I, yeah, Pickens, I, I have a hard time getting behind that because, like you said, it's Najee Harris touches. Those two other receivers are damn good. They got a good tight end. So that, that'll be hard that way. By the way, Damian Pierce, 22 to 1 plus 2,200. That won't last. He will, I believe, go higher and higher because people will realize there's an opportunity. There's value there. Everybody's always looking for value. And if you want to get good odds, get them now because I think they're going to change. All right. Today's draft, biggest August risers. Doesn't have to just be rookies. It can be. It can be older players. It can be second-year players. It can be anybody who is using August so far to their advantage. And we have a trivia question. Ooh, I'm glad I'm asking you because I have no idea what the answer to this is. Which running back led the NFL in rushing yards preseason 2021? Oh. He's been in the news this month. Damn. Well, I was going to pick Ramondre Stevenson from the Patriots, so I'll just go with that. Wow. Boom. You've got it. Well, Boom. Remember, 
he he showed he showed off in the preseason last year. And one of the games, he had like a ninety-yard touchdown run, right? So that was the only run I can remember from last preseason, and that's why I went with it. So, um, yeah, that was I got lucky there. But that's a rookie. You know, it's not a veteran or a guy that's a proven commodity. It's almost always a young guy. Uh, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's learning the hard way. It's 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 not always an easy path when it's year four in the NFL. Um, all right, mm, I don't know who I'm going to go with here. You know who I'm going to go with? I, be, because I, I'm going to go with the first pick in the draft, Trayvon Walker. I am. Yes. Oh no, he doesn't get enough sacks in college, and you know, you and I, we we beat that horse to death in telling everybody he wasn't asked to do that in college. In fact, I wonder how good Georgia's defense would have been if they just let guys fly at the quarterback. But to me, he's already silenced anything that anybody was worried about, whether he could rush the quarterback. He's had a sack in both games and been close on a bunch of other plays, too, to where you just go, it's inevitable. Jacksonville, not saying they should have taken him over Aiden Hutchinson, who also looks good, but he is certainly looking like they're justified in taking him number one with the way he looks on the field. So I'm hoping that quiets the the haters of the world there on that pick, and they realize that this this kid's the real deal. Well, I got to take then one of the guys we've already talked about in George Pickens. I thought you'd take him first because he really has. Yeah, he has right emerged in August, and to create buzz at Steelers camp is hard to do. The whole thing is set up for no one to create buzz. It's old school. It's Latrobe. It's team, not me. And when you got the quote, like the one we played earlier from Deontay Johnson, just going on and on about this guy, I mean, the secret is out. It's over. George Pickens is going to be in a position to do some special things as of week one. He already is. My only concern is there's one football, and I don't think the Steelers are going to completely revamp their offense just to force feed the ball in George Pickens' direction. Although, if he's only getting single coverage, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It's Randy Moss in 19... 98, again, there's a long way to go to be anywhere close to being compared to Randy Moss. But when you have a special talent like that who can deal with single coverage and is going to be always open in single coverage, why aren't you calling an audible and getting him the football if they're going to just dare you to throw it to him? Yeah, I, I, I hear you. You're right. I mean, they're going to have some flexibility there with matchups. And, yeah, I'm not going to put him in Randy Moss's class quite yet. You know, uh, But, yes, it's it's – it's been he's been the most buzzy guy throughout training camp, and it's not really even close. I mean, it, it's not. It's been almost from on the like, team least likely to create a buzzy player. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So you know, again, I mean, I'm you know, you live close to there, so I let you have that, and just trying to be a nice guy for your to your Steeler fans there. Thank you. Um, Thank you. All right, this is where it gets a little. T- you know, I'm going to go with Tyquan Thornton. From the, the New England Patriots. I've heard buzz about him, and he looked good the other night against the New York Giants, too. You know, and, and, and not necessarily that he's buzz every day, but I think it's buzz in the fact that everybody thought, me included, that that was too high to be drafted at that spot. And there's the, the oh, the Patriots and first and second round receivers. They're sucky-ducky at picking them. Holy crap. Well, I, I don't know. From what you read up there and then what I see there, Hey, good luck pressing that guy because he's going to run by just about anybody. So, you know, I think he's at least silenced the, the, again, the haters of the Patriots draft pick a little bit here early on. All right. Pete said that we can do second year players if we choose. And I'm going to go Travis Etienne, another Jacksonville player, mm-hmm. a first rounder last year, suffered the torn ACL. You've got Trevor Lawrence saying it's like Clemson all over again. You've got Doug Peterson when he was asked, are you going to move this guy all over the field? He says, maybe, maybe means yes. 
this guy is a weapon. This guy potentially opens up that offense and allows us to do all sorts of things. There's a familiarity to Lawrence. Last year, I remember it was the gut punch when he was gone for the year. Right. In, in, a, in, a, <laughs> in what was a year-long flurry of gut punches for the Jaguars, most of them self-inflicted by Urban Meyer. But now he's back. He's healthy. And, uh, and obviously, he's made some buzz already, and I can't wait to see what he does week one. Yeah, I, d- definitely. I mean, it's, uh, it's, um, uh, he's got the Alvin Kamara-ish type skill set that we've talked about that could be definitely a mismatch issue. And I'm excited to see what, he, you know, what he's got. He's certainly in the game, got some explosion, and can get to that line of scrimmage in a hurry. He does look smaller than I expected, but... You know, again, he's not going to be, I think, a bell cow between the tackles, 28 carries a game type of guy. He's going to be more like the Alvin Kamara. A few runs there, screens, split him out receiver, do all that, and uh, he certainly created some buzz. I think I'm going to go with Damian Pierce, the guy we talked about, you know, early on. I mean, Damian Pierce, from really the get-go, you heard the same kind of things, not maybe George Pickens-ish, but impressed everybody, and to the point where, yeah, they gave Marlon Mack a little bit of money to be the starter, but... I just think, like, it's so apparent to me when you turn on the, the, the film of the game last week that he's clearly their best running runner back, running back. And, you know, again, I don't know if they let the veterans start the game and Marlon Mack just to let him be the starter and they might trust him in pass protection, but I'd be shocked if this guy doesn't get the majority of the carries. And really, actually, I think I'd be shocked if he isn't the starting running back in general. Last one for me, and I don't want to make life for our friend Mike Vrabel any more complicated, but you made the point earlier this week. Malik Willis gets yanked during a drive. That, you know, let's calm this down. Let's yeah, not have yeah. Ryan Tannehill mm-hmm. be threatened in this position. But he was the guy that was the betting favorite to be the first quarterback drafted. Even though he fell to round three, it had greater buzz to it. There's a sense of anticipation that Malik Willis is eventually going to ascend to that throne. And I think that, that only – has has increased. I know Ryan Tannehill's had a good camp, but they, they, they're going to have a handoff. They're going to have a transition at some point. It may be before Ryan Tannehill wants it, but I feel like Malik Willis already proving that he can be the guy to make a difference for the Titans offense. And it's kind of like Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes in this one way. You get to a point where you feel like your current quarterback is taking you as far as he's ever going to. Yeah, I hear you. And he's never going to get you any farther. And right. if we're ever going to get farther than divisional round, we need a different quarterback. And and maybe that's how those three interceptions from last year resonate into the draft, resonate into 22, and maybe set the stage for Malik Willis to be the guy by next year. I, I, I really like the way he looked. That's all I can say. I know it wasn't perfect. He watched the rush a little bit, definitely. There was a few receivers he missed open. But again, well, think about it. the guy played at exactly. Liberty. Would you not watch the rush the first time you got NFL guys coming and, after? And you? it's the Ravens of all teams, where you just go, yeah. "Oh gosh, there's just more killers on the field than I've ever seen in my life," and they're all coming after me. So exactly, that's where I was going with that. You know, it's understandable. And he had to start the game. He started the game. That's the emotions of that. And. You know, my father even was talking about this on the podcast the other day. Yeah, you're at practice, and, oh, I'm going to get reps with the first team, and, you know, so we're going to start the game. Man, when you break that huddle for the first time, and all of a sudden the crowd, and, whoa, you see the guys, and it's just like, you know, you can get underneath the center and go, like, what, what play did I just call? I don't, hold on, i got to remember what the hell the play was, because you start, your mind starts going, out, whoa, I'm in the NFL. Whoa, this is crazy. Holy crap, he's big. Whoa, they look like they're going to blitz, and... Yeah, so it's not easy. It can be overwhelming. But, man, 
The way he looked, like you said, Mike, and I'm glad you picked him because I should have picked him. His physical ability does pop off the screen. He belongs, and I think he really fits a style of football that they want to play in Tennessee. Run the ball, quarterback run, play action, 25-yard laser to the left, you know, 50-yard post down the middle. You know, they're not looking to play like we're going to drop back 45 times and be the Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs. That's not the style of play, so he really fits it from that standpoint. The way you described his debut, it, it made me think of that great scene in Invincible, the movie about Vince Papali when he's out there on the field the first time. And they did a great job of conveying how overwhelming right. it really can be. Right. And, you know, he's working his way through that now, and he'll be ready to go if he's called upon this year due to injury or ineffectiveness or if they decide to have a changing of the guard for 2023. We're going to change gears. When we return, former Vikings coach Mike Zimmer has a new job but not in the NFL. We'll tell you about that next on this Wednesday edition of PFT Live. Maybe there's another opportunity out here that uh, uh, Coach Mike Zimmer is an uh, analyst with, with Jackson State. How about, how about that? Well, he's asked me about it before. Um, you know, the pay's not real good. Uh, but I do love Dion, and I'd do anything in the world for him. He, he's been a, a great uh, friend of mine, a mentor to these young guys, and you know, I would love to help um, the HBCU universities and especially Jackson State and, and Deion Sanders. Mike Zimmer from head coach of the Vikings for eight years to an analyst for the defense with Jackson State working with Deion Sanders. They were together in Dallas from 95 through 99. The entirety of Deion's time with the Cowboys, Mike Zimmer was the defensive backs coach. So there's a strong bond there. And, and I think it's great. I, Zimmer's basically working for free because he's got his Vikings money for, I just think, one year. I think he had one year left on his contract when the relationship ended. So he can do whatever he wants, and, and this is a great opportunity for him to help Deion Sanders do what he's doing at Jackson State, rekindle that relationship, stay in the game, and, and plot his next move, whatever that may be. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I mean, it really is. And, uh, I, I love that Deion Jackson – I mean, uh, Deion Jackson. Deion Sanders is, is putting Jackson State on the map. He certainly has created a lot, of, lot more attention to that league and those schools. You know, he loves football, Deion Sanders. He knows the game. I mean, we, we, I feel like we play a few sound bites every year of Deion and just things he says about the game that I find interesting. And to bring a coach like Mike Zimmer, who's, yeah, knows how to run a football team, has been around the Bill Parcells of the world and the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, I'm sure there's things he can help Deion out with. He's a secondary guy himself in Zimmer. And I think it's like it just shows you that, yeah, these coaches in the NFL, they're making a lot of money and all that, but, man, they, they love coaching. They love teaching. They love that connection of, wait, this kid was here and, you know, in life and in football, and I brought it all back up here. And now look what he's doing in life and in football up here. And, and I think that's a really, you know, it's an awesome move by Mike Zimmer, and I'm happy to see him join forces with Sanders. Do you think that Deion Sanders, who's – 55, 56, that, that age range, got into coaching later in life, has aspired to be a big-time coach for a long time. I remember when there was a Falcons opening, 2002, 2003, when they hired Jim Mora. He, he was politicking for that job, like, like he really thought he could get it. 
and he's tried to get the Florida State job in the past. Do you think a, a major program hires Deion Sanders at some point? I, I, I think there's a good chance, right? I, I, I think there's a chance that, you know, at some point he will be the Florida State head coach. I do. You know, Florida State ain't the Florida State we used to see in the 90s and in the, in the late 80s. They've fallen from that, you know, type of program. So I could see him going that way. I think Deion Sanders could be a coach anywhere. I do. I think he's the kind of guy that, you know, does he want to pay his dues and go to the NFL and have to be a DB coach and then the D coordinator and then be the head coach? You know, that's the big question, and that's, you know, a lot of time and effort. But I, I think he's capable of doing all of that, and I do think he's going to be a head coach of a major college program at some point. Last time we saw a Hall of Fame player get into coaching late in life and get on the fast track maybe a little too quickly was Mike Singletary. Yeah, right. If you remember how right, that sure. went when he was in Baltimore, and the next thing you know, he's the head coach of the 49ers. I don't know that the door opens for him in the NFL, but I could see one of these college programs recognize that you know he, he can help raise money, he can help with the NIL, even though for now he's at a disadvantage at Jackson State. You put him with a bigger alumni base with a, a bigger city and more resources i i, f- I feel like it's inevitable right? he's going to be the head coach of a yeah. bigger program I somewhere hope, i hope somewhere. prime time or hopefully he can state, bring them they up should up hope it doesn't time. happen yeah jackson state would like to keep him forever yeah we'd like to stay forever but we're out of time we really wouldn't i want breakfast see you tomorrow <laughs> see ya <laughs> 